Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Pastor John Mark Caton joins us again to continue our journey through the book of James. Today we will learn how we should interact and deal with people around us. And regardless of the ways that they might differ, as Christians, we need to learn to treat everybody well. Now, let's hear from Pastor John Mark. Okay, hey guys, uh, good to see you. Let's go back, uh, head back to your seats. Let's get started. Man, I'm fired up about being here today. A couple of weeks ago, we started a series entitled Doing the Right Work the Right Way. And I've uh, been walking through the book of James, and we continue to do that today. So if you've got your Bible, open up to James chapter 2. Uh, we're going to start James chapter 2. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at some things. God's got stuff for us to do. We always want to be reminded, man, as men, God's got something for you to do, and it's powerful, it's important. And uh, that's what we looked at first week. Then we looked at the idea that God's got some growing up for us to do. How many of you know you can still grow up a little bit? How many of you are married and your wife looks at you every once in a while and just reminds you with her eye roll that you still need to grow up just a little bit? Uh, that happens to me consistently. Uh, also, uh, we looked at this in James chapter 1. God's got some stuff for me to learn. Man, God wants to teach me some things along the way. Teach me some some things about myself, about him, uh, how I need to make a journey. And then uh, Dr. Hillhouse uh, shared a couple of times. Now we're in James chapter 2. And James begins to talk about the practical working of, of the church. And he really begins to talk about relationships. Chapter 1, he talks about gaining wisdom. Chapter 1, he talks about trials we go through. Chapter 1, he talks about wisdom uh, we're going to gain and uh, difficulties and hardships and the work that God has for us to do. Chapter 2, he, he kind of takes a turn. And he begins to talk about people. And it really is this idea that if you and I are going to journey along in a church, how many of you know uh, we've got to deal with some people that aren't like us? So just by the way, before I even get started, what I say today about loving even the unlovable does not apply to the two Eagles fans in here, all right? I just want to go ahead and clear that out right now, that there are even limits to God's love and God's grace in God's house. Y'all give God a hand on that. So uh, no, you guys know I'm kidding, right? You, you know I'm kidding. But hey, you know, how many of you, let's be honest, how many of you think the world would be a way better place if more people were like me? How many of you think that? No, not me, like you. I hate all y'all. No, I mean, you ever thought in your mind, I'm not talking about like me, all right? I'm talking about y'all, right? How many of you have ever thought, you know, if there were more people like me, we'd be better off? Now raise your hand. Know that you're not talking. Man, I'm telling you, how many of you think church would be a better place if more people like me? All right, uh, it's a couple of self-righteous people raise their hand. Uh, here is the reality. People are different, right? Man, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I struggle to get along with some people because they're just messed up, Right? They're mean, they're messed up, they're different, they're this. And James says, hey, listen, when we come to God's house, we're going to be surrounded by different people. But when it comes to God's house, we need to learn to treat everybody well. Does that make sense? Regardless of their personality, regardless of their income bracket, regardless of anything. Listen, when it comes to the outside life, our outside Christianity, the acid test for Christianity is how you treat other people. That's the acid test of Christianity. Now, here's what I know in, in, in all my life and all my ministry, and you know this, you know, not everybody's going to be your friend. 
Not everybody's going to be your friend. Here's what I also know. You can be as gracious and good to some people as you could ever possibly be, and they're still going to stab you in the back. How many of you know that? You, you, you can go out of your way to love on someone, never hurt someone, they'll still think you're a jerk. How many of you know that? So that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about today, and James is actually going to give us a hypothetical example here on how you treat someone that's different than you. And as we journey through this, his hypothetical situation is this. He says, man, when it comes to church, when it comes to God's house, we don't want to take the rich people and sit them in the front and the poor people and sit them in the back. That's a hypothetical. And you'll notice it's a hypothetical because he says it's a hypothetical. He said, suppose this happens. All right, he says, suppose this happens. Then he gives us some examples. And so here's what we understand. When we journey through our existence in church, there are times that we need to make sure that the acid test of the church we are, the kind of church we are, the acid test of who we are as believers is how we treat other people. Whether they make more money than us or whether they make less money than us. Whether they have more money in the bank than we do or whether they have less money in the bank. We treat them all the same. You know what James is going to tell us today? He says, when it comes to in the church, the social strata outside the church doesn't matter. Does that make sense? That, that, that where you are on the org chart outside the church doesn't matter inside the church. And so what we need to understand is James is simply saying, listen, at the end of the day, when it comes to other people, we don't look down on them, we look up to him. Okay? We don't look down on them, we look up to him. A couple of weeks ago, my family and I, uh, I, I don't know how many times you, you just walk in and uh, anybody ever got on a plane and all of a sudden they said, oh, we're sorry, uh, Mr. Caton, you're not in, uh, in the back of the plane, you're in first class. Does that happen to anybody? Anybody flying up through that happened? That has never happened to me, ever once. I typically don't do that. I end up in the back of the plane, different things like that. But, but, but I, I really had one of those, one of those up, charge experiences the other night. I went, I went to the Astros Rangers game. I think we got a picture of it. Uh, and, and so I, I took all eight of my family. So that meant I was going to be broke. So I went ahead and, and bought some cheap tickets out in left field. Go ahead and click on that. Can, can we find that? Technology, it's a bear. There we are. There we are. And so we went out. I just wanted to see the Astros Rangers figured that was going to be the determiner who wins the division, all those things. So I went out there. A whole family is always willing to go. Uh, you'll, you can tell that, that I'm right at the back of the section. I'm up in the top left. I'm left field seats back because it's hard to get eight seats together, right? But, <laughs> but let me show you this. See those two yellow bands right there? So we walk in, we got these cheap seats, and all of a sudden when we walk in, I show the, t- show the tickets, the lady says, hey, go stand right over there. And so we walk over there and they give us these wristbands and it's all you can eat. I had no idea. It was all you could eat. It was nachos, hot dogs, hamburgers, drinks, anything that you wanted. And I was like, I, I, I don't think I bought these tickets. And she goes, no, 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 no. These are your tickets. And I go, no, I really don't think so. These tickets were like $25 a piece. And they go, no, this is yours. And so half my family, because we couldn't all come together, half my family rode in a separate car. I immediately text them, don't stop and eat anywhere, because I'm usually so cheap. I'm like, here's your popcorn at the game. It'll be over in nine innings, right? And uh, I said, y'all come. Dinner's on me, right? (laughs) 
And they're sitting there talking about, Dad, these are awesome tickets. We should get these tickets every time. I said, I'm pretty sure if I bought these tickets again, we're not getting these same wristbands. But I will also tell you, as your pastor who loves Jesus, loves God, and loves grace, I didn't tell anyone that probably wasn't my ticket. All right? I went ahead and put them all on my kids. All right? Now, here's the point of this story. When you come to church, everybody gets a band. Does that make sense? When it comes to church, everybody gets a band. You get the full meal deal in God's house. That it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much you can afford. It doesn't matter where your seats are, where your tickets are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or how short of a time you've been a Christian. Let me tell you what everybody gets a band. So as we think about dealing with people that we don't like, there is a reality when you come to church, people are different. People are difficult. People are hard. And that's exactly what we see, man. In James chapter 2, James moves from talking about you and me, going through trials, going through difficulties, going through hard times, and then he starts talking about how you deal with people. And so let's just uh, uh, think about this. When it comes to, he uses the idea of favoritism. It's also an idea of prejudice. If you go look up the word favoritism, and there is a reality, and, and, and there are sometimes, you ever just walk up to someone and like from the first sentences out of your mouth, you're like, I'm going to like this guy. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then, then, then you go up to someone else just because you're in personality and through the first sentence, you're like, this is going to be a beating. How many of you know, right? And, and here's what I know. That, that, that we are built that way. There are just certain dynamics about our relationships and how, how we're built and our mindset and our emotions that God puts us together. But if you look at the word favoritism, when we think about what we're going to see is the example of um, the rich looking down on the poor. The rich looking down on the poor, that's the example he gets. He calls this favoritism. If you go to Webster's Dictionary, here's the definition of favoritism. He says, favoritism is the unfair practice of treating some people better than others. That's what Webster says. Favoritism is the unfair practice of just looking around, going, you know what, I think I'm going to be nice to you today, and the rest of you all I'm not going to be nice to. It's just the unfair practice of treating some people better than you treat others. If you look at the Greek word that is used by James here. Let me give you the definitions here. Greek word, favoritism they use. He says, uh, it, it says, receiving according to the face. That's what this word means. That when we see the word favoritism here, all the Greek word means is receiving according to the face. Are you getting that? That you are treating people based on their appearance not based on their heart. So when you hear that word favoritism, what is he saying? He's saying, I'm looking at certain people in the church and I am judging them based on the face, their outward appearance. Anybody ever seen anybody that your first impression? How many of you know first impressions matter? And they do matter. You know, I'm always telling my kids, you only got one shot at making a first impression, make it matter, right? First impressions matter. Anybody ever been deceived by your first impression? You looked at someone, you're like, yeah, you're not anywhere like I thought I'd be. I mean, I've seen that over. But here's what it is. Favoritism, it's judging 
based on the face or the external appearance. If you go back in the Old Testament, probably one of the greatest stories you ever remember. Remember when uh, David, that little shepherd boy, was chosen to be the king over Israel? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, as children of God, we need to be the kind of people that we are not judging based on the face. Does that make sense? That we are not looking at the externals. We're not looking at the outward. We are looking at the heart. And so what, what, what is being said right there is that when the other sons were walking through, Samuel was looking for a son that would be the next king. First one that rolled in was the dude that met the eye test, right? He was the tall, the stallion, the strong one, the gun. And, and if you look at it, Samuel said, this is the dude. And God said, no, no, I've rejected him. He says, because man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Guys, that's what we want to do is the more we grow in our faith, we don't want to judge people based on the face. We don't want to judge people based on the appearance, but we want to stop looking at their outward appearance and do our best to look at their heart. Because that's what God wants. But then even beyond that, it's not just trying to look beyond their outward appearance to their heart. But at the end of the day, if you find yourself showing favoritism and there are some people you don't like and you don't like this person, you don't like that person because of this reason or that reason, if you just can't get over your favoritism, here's the second thing you do. You look up to Him and stop looking down on them. So do your best to look at the heart instead of the appearance. If you can't get past it that way, then look up to Him and not down on them. And so as we go, jump in, look at James chapter 2. Let me show you this. Here's what it is. When we think about favoritism, a favoritism or prejudice is not consistent, he says in verse 1, with God's character. He says in verse 1, my brothers and sisters, everybody say that's all of us. Believers, if you are Christian, all right, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. That's it. By the way, that's a command. That's that word favoritism. That we of all people are not to be the people that judge based on outward appearance. We don't look at the face. We look at the heart. We don't look down on them. We look up to him. And, and as we journey through our thoughts, that's where we need to understand this is how God wants us to be, is that we don't show favoritism. Why? Because it's not consistent with God's character. How many of you are, God, are glad that God didn't look at you and go, nah? Right? How many of you uh, were a Christian for a long time and you were still glad after being a Christian for a long time, some of the stupid things you said and stupid things you did, you were glad that God didn't look down and say, I changed my mind. Count me in that category, right? That man, we want to understand that if I don't show favoritism, it makes me more like God. If I show favoritism, it doesn't represent God's character. God's character is just look around you. But forget looking around you, look inside you. Man, God chose to love you in spite of you. And God chose to love me in spite of me. 
Man, that is my pattern, that I want to show mercy as often as I can show mercy. I want to be as gracious as I can possibly be gracious. And that principle is not just found in the New Testament person of Jesus. Go into the Old Testament about God's character. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. It says, For the Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. So in other words, you can't buy off God, but God's going to show no partiality. Boy, if you look through the Old Testament, interestingly enough, uh, when the children of Israel began to move to the promised land, that they were a chosen people, they were accepted people. How many times do you know you can look through uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and they are told time and time again how they are to treat the alien and the outsider? You got to provide for them. You got to give them. You got to care for them. You got to take care of them. He says, "Listen, if someone wants to come in and they want to work near you or work in your place, or sorry. he goes, don't treat them badly." He said, "You treat them well." So, thought number one: when it comes to favoritism, when it comes to looking down on other people, it doesn't reflect God's character. That's what James says in verse one. Because why? Favoritism is just judging based on the appearance. We, as grown spiritual men, have to learn to look past the appearance and instead to the heart. And if we can't do that, we're going to look up to Him and not down on them. Now, let's jump to the next one. Not only is it not consistent with God's character, uh, favoritism, when I show favoritism, it makes me the judge and, not, and doesn't allow God to be the judge. What does that mean? That I look on someone, I judge them based on a very limited knowledge. If I'll say, you know what, they don't need to be in the church. They don't need to uh, be around. They don't need to do this. And here's, he starts with a principle. Here's the principle, verse 2. He says, suppose, everybody say suppose. So he's throwing out a hypothetical, all right? He says, suppose, uh, pay close attention. He says, suppose uh, a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. Literally, that means bright and shining clothing, all right? And a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say no to the poor man, you stand over there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So notice what he says. He says, first of all, if we show favoritism based on the outward appearance of someone, we, first of all, are not living consistent with God's character. But the second thing he says is he says, you set yourself up as judge and you don't let God be judge. How many of you think God's probably, probably a better judge of character than you and I are? Why? Because God can see all the way through the heart. And James just kind of said, James, the brother of Jesus, he says, listen, guys. He says, suppose you, you all of a sudden make a judge on outward appearance. He says, hey, you sit here and you sit back there. You do this, you do that. He goes, you know what you do? You set yourself up as the judge. And I will tell you, look around in this room, as good and godly as there are some guys in this room, you don't want any of them to be your eternal judge. How many of you know that? And even the most spiritual dude in the room has a very limited understanding and a very limited look at someone else's character. How many of y'all, you ever once in a while, you, you, you thought some dude was a really, really good dude, and all of a sudden he blew it, and you went, wow, I didn't see that coming. Can I tell you, God didn't go, wow, I didn't see that coming. How many of you ever looked down on someone for a while? You ever had one of those guys in your life, and you're like, dang, 
And then all of a sudden you're like, boy, the more I get to know that guy, that dude's just gold, right? Man, I love those ideas. And so he says, listen, don't show favoritism because you set yourself up as God, and that's it. Now, he uses the example of a, a rich person and a poor person. But I want you to hear this, and I want you to tap into this. If you look in God's Word, even if you look in James's books, there are really four categories of people. All right, there are four categories of people. If you look, he, he says what? There is the godly rich person. If you want to write this down, you can look through God's Word, and you see a lot of godly rich people. All right? There are a bunch of them. Joseph of Arimathea, he's the one that was rich enough to give, uh, give, uh, give Jesus his tomb. You can see over and over, it was many of the rich people, the wealthy people that launched the early church. You can go into the Old Testament. Man, wealthy people, godly wealthy people built the temple, did some things. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> in this own book, you're going to see him talk about Abraham. How many of you know Abraham was a little, little, little lit up with wealth, Right? So when you think about godly rich people, man, there were a bunch of... He's also going to talk about Job. How many of you know Job was pretty wealthy? So if you look in God's Word, there are four categories of people. There are godly rich people, and there are ungodly rich people. There are godly poor people, and there are ungodly poor people. So he's not saying this is the only category. He's not saying the only two categories are, are ungodly rich people and godly poor people. Because I can tell you as a pastor for 28 and a half years, and you probably know this, I have met some people with a whole lot of money that are good as gold. I have met some godly people with a whole lot of money that are not worth anything when it comes to their character. I have met some people that because of maybe their corporate path or their journey or whatever pattern they've chosen to teach or whatever, that, that, man, they don't have a lot of money, but they're good as gold. I've met some other people that, man, they've just been through some tough life, and, and, and you don't want to be around them. So he kind of gives us one example here. He says, here's what we need to do. If you're at the bottom end of that strata, don't prejudge the person at the top end of the financial strata. If you're at the top end of the financial strata, don't prejudge the person at the bottom end of the strata. Because why? That's just judging based on the face or the appearance. And he says, in the church, don't forget, guys, we all get the band. Does that make sense? Every one of us. You say, hey, I can't afford to be down there by the, uh, you know, by the, by the game. You still get the band. We're all going to be treated the same. And we're all going to be blessed. So thought number one is, man, when I show favoritism, I don't show God's character. Number two, when I show favoritism, I set myself up as the judge, and none of us want that. Here's number three. When I show favoritism, it makes me the chooser, ultimately, of who gets in and who gets out, and not God. You say, pick it up in verse 5. Look at James chapter 2, verse 5. He says, listen or pay close attention to this, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom He promised to those who love Him? So He, he follows the path on. He said, listen, if you happen to be wealthy and you look down on the poor, don't forget He has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. By the way, that's not the only time you see it. Now, we're going to see here just in the next chapter or two, him talking about Abraham and Job. So he wasn't just talking about the poor in spirit. But I will tell you this. 
He's sitting here going, listen, do not be the one that chooses who's in and who's out. That who gets elevated and who gets dropped. Why? Because we ultimately don't know what the answer is. I, I love Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. It's carrying this same idea. What did Jesus say in, this, in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, blessed are the what in spirit? Poor in spirit. See, a lot of times when we go into James chapter 2, we're just tapping in on finances or income or salary or whatever. I, I think James is being honest. He says he's not just talking about finances. He's talking about arrogance and pride in spirit. Does that make sense? It's interesting, as I was doing a little reading and some study, there, are, there were times in Jesus' day that those who were wealthy when they came to the synagogue, since they had helped build the synagogue, whether it was in Philippi or wherever it was, the wealthy would actually get to sit up front and hear the rabbi and the teacher. And so he had a very clear example. He goes, listen, when it comes to God's house, we all get the band and you can sit anywhere you want. All right? You can sit anywhere you want. We don't get to choose. And so here, blessed are the poor in spirit is what Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Don't be the judger. Don't be the one that looks at them and says, you're in, you're out. You sit up here, you sit back there. Because everybody gets the ban in God's church. Uh, I love James, uh, uh, I love uh, this other passage. Uh, let's see, where is this, Matthew? Let me jump down. Uh, all right, James chapter 2, verse 6. Here it is. Get back to James chapter 2, verse 6. It says, favoritism, uh, man, favoritism uh, makes me an enemy to God. If I show favoritism, it makes me an enemy of God. How many of you want to be God's enemy? None of us. Notice what James says. Pick it up in verse 6. He says, but you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich, the pious, the proud, the Pharisees who are... Is it not the rich, the proud, the pious, the Pharisees who are exploiting, exploiting you? Are they not ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not ones who are blaspheming the noble name of Him to whom you belong? You know what he's saying? He goes, they're the enemies of God. And if you identify with people who are enemies of God, you become an enemy of God. You know what James is using the hypothetical? He says, listen, if you identify with people who you like because of their social strata, because the, the, the world that they live in, the place they are on the org chart, he says, don't forget, if their heart's not gold, you are going to be aligning with people who are not on God's team, but they're on Satan's team. And he goes, be careful because we can't make those judgments. And we need to leave that to God. So guys, the whole point, James is just sitting there following it through and saying, listen, there are always going to be people we don't like. But we never can gain enough data on first appearance to know who to choose and who to reject because I'm not God. So that means, man, when you stand up and, and you walk in here into church or whatever and Justin says, hey, go shake a couple hands. Man, look to go shake that, the hand of that dude that doesn't look like you and let him know that they belong. Because that's what God's grace and God's favor is all about. You know, I love this idea. He says, uh, go, to, go to Luke chapter 5, verse 29 and 32. I think we have that. Yeah. All right. Talk about rich people. 
Here it is. It says, then Levi, who was rich, by the way, held a great banquet. How many of you know if, you, if you're holding a great banquet, especially in Jesus' day, uh, you, you're loaded, right? You're loaded. He says, then he held a great banquet uh, for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax, tax, tax collectors, wealthy in the day, they had cut a deal with the Romans, and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors, the rich and the sinners? And Jesus answered, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What is he saying? Man, Jesus is just telling a story. They're just telling a story right there in Luke that, man, when, when, a heart, when the heart of a rich person is changed, what's the natural outflow? They probably have a tendency to have a lot of relationships with other rich people and they want to share the gospel with other rich people. If the heart of a poor person has a tendency to be changed, they have a tendency to have their dynamic relationships with poor people. Middle class, the same way. And he says, who was judging? It was the Pharisees. And he says, listen, if you get to, to a place in your life where you are the one who is judging, you have become a Pharisee. You have become pious. I mean, we don't want to be that way. Man, we've been through in James chapter 1 the trials, the difficulties. We've gained wisdom. So the last thing we want to do is show up in God's house with all of this wisdom, having all this maturity, gone through all of this stuff, and then start judging other people who are going through their trials and their hardships and their difficulties. Why? Because then we're just showing favoritism. And so let's just continue to read. Pick it up in verse 8. If you and I judge... We violate, listen, these are James, the brother of Jesus' work, the royal law of love. I don't ever want to violate that law. You say, where do you see that? Look at it in verse 8. He says, you, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law is a lawbreaker. He says, guys, if we come into God's house and we're prejudiced, we show favoritism, we accept some and reject others based on appearance. He goes, we become lawbreakers. And the law we broke is that royal law of love. And what is that royal law of love? To love your neighbor as yourself. You know, so as we begin to wind down, let me ask you a question. Do you love a lot? Are you willing to overlook some things for others in the church? Are you willing to, to, to back off on some of your prejudgments? Are you willing to look up to God instead of looking more down on them? Because that's part of growing in maturity. And that's part of who the church is. Can I tell you, over the years, man, I, I have. I, I've seen some people that came in and come in this church with very little. And they are jewels of the faith. I've seen people come into this church with very little, and they are scoundrels. How many of you know? Typically, you can't judge them on outward appearance. I've seen some people come in here with a whole lot of money, and they are jewels of the faith. I've seen some people come in with a whole lot of money and they are scoundrels. 
But here's the one thing we do at Cottonwood Creek. Everybody gets a band. And we're going to entrust you to God. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. So guys, when we leave here, especially when it comes into God's house and God's place, we don't prejudge people. We don't show favoritism because we don't want to be lawbreakers. Now, drop down to the end. This is where we're closed right here. Now look at verse 12. So what's the proof that I've gotten over it? My prejudice, my favoritism. It's how you treat other people. Remember how I started today? The acid test of your faith is how you treat other people. Look at how James finishes it in verse 12. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. He says, when you talk and when you act, let's talk and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been mercy, merciful. But listen to these last words. Mercy always triumphs over judgment. So you say, Pastor... Uh, Man, I have a natural ranking system. When I look at someone, I see how they're dressed. I look at their watch. I see their shoes. I just have a natural ranking system. You say, how do I get over that? Well, you get over that by looking up to him and stop looking down on them. You stop thinking about judging the outward appearance. You start looking at the heart. Beyond that, if you can't look up to him instead of down on them, you can't look on the inside instead of the outside, start with this. Mercy. He says, mercy triumphs judgment every day. So let's remember that, guys. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for the fact that when it comes to your house, your church, that we have all kinds of people. Man, we have people with so much who are so gracious and so good, and God, we're so grateful. God, we have so many people that have so little, but they work so hard. They're so faithful. They're so diligent. Uh, but still, they have so little, but they're so good. God, let us be a church that gives everyone a band, that celebrates everyone that loves everyone, that doesn't show favoritism to anyone. Let us be a kind of people and the kind of men today that understand this reality. Mercy always triumphs over judgment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. You all have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.